Extraordinary. Luda. Innovative. Integrity. Honest. Courageous. Curious. Thoughtful. Brave. Unafraid. There is a place where technology and art meet, where work and play are one and the same. When the threads of curiosity are pulled in this place, the spark of innovation ripples across industries. Those who make this place their home are giants, titans who pursue creative passion while leaving their mark. Creative. Flexible. Brilliant. Clever. Confident. They are courageous thought leaders set on changing the practice of dentistry and their corner of the world. More than the sum of their parts, we deconstruct the traits that bind these uncommon innovators. Humble, daring, disciplined, playful, principled, spontaneous. To discover what makes them contrary to ordinary, where we explore the extraordinary. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kim Cooch, host and founder at Carry Free. I'm fascinated by what makes the paradigm shifters, world shakers, and art makers tick. Let's embark on a journey. Extraordinary is a place where ordinary people choose to exist. Together, we will trek the peaks of possibility, illuminate the depths of resilience, and navigate the boundless landscape of innovation to discover how some of the most innovative dentists and thought leaders unlocked their potential and became extraordinary. It's worth saying again and again that having our patient's best interest at heart is critical to our work as dentists, no matter their circumstance or where they're at in life. But what does that mean practically? It means training every single member of our dental teams, empowering them to feel compassion for and respond to their patient's needs holistically. Anyone who's had the privilege of meeting Michelle Hudson in a personal or professional capacity will know that this is a philosophy that she not only practices in her work as a hygienist, but in everything she does. Michelle is absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. She's got a charisma about her that's completely infectious and just radiates love and generosity with every step she takes. On top of all that, she's a trusted and effective hygienist who's been in the profession for over 15 years. In 2021, Michelle founded Integrative Dental Coaching, an organization that coaches and educates dental teams to implement protocols and best practices for overall patient health. Michelle is a proud and passionate fellow and a member of the board of the American Academy for Oral and Systemic Health. She's also a carry-free cooperative member. Before we get into Michelle's interview, I just wanted to mention that we have a very special guest host joining me on this episode, Jenny Wolfenberger, Director of Business Development at Oral Biotech. Thank you, Jenny, for being involved in this fantastic conversation. It's easy to assume that someone as sunny as Michelle must have grown up feeling loved and supported. The opposite of that. It was very, very abusive. I actually had a therapist tell me one time that... Given the harshness of my childhood, it would not have been uncommon for me to end up in prison. But I knew in all of that abuse, even as a little girl, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh But I didn't know what I wanted to do, except I knew I wanted to nurture people 
and I was going to love people really, 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 really well. And if you know me now, that's uh-huh. still something that I say. I really just want the opportunity to love people really, really well. And I have this, you know, great opportunity. One, you know, was, you know, through friendship initially and then being a mom and, oh, that's like the greatest gift. You ask me, you know, what am I most grateful for? I am grateful that the Lord gave me my gentle giant and trusted me to love him so well and grow him into a loving, kind, smart young man. And then third, dentistry. And, uh, you know, some people giggle at that, like, who loves dentistry? <laughs> and, uh, well, we do. <laughs> and uh, we get to make so many people feel cared for and really have so many, even our, from our patients to the people who make up our profession, uh-huh. make a difference. Yeah. Feels good. My faith is the core of who I am. I think we just love people for who they are and try and bring out their strengths. Maybe they don't see them because I feel like that's what happened to me. I've been gifted people who really showed me what my gifts were, and I'm grateful for them. So yeah, I think every day when I wake up, I pray to be an example of the Lord and goodness and, uh, and love people where they're at. You bring up several points there that I'd like to explore a little bit. I think the one thing is, I really believe that everybody deserves to be treated with dignity and respect, no matter where they're at. And because we don't know what they're going through, right? Like everybody has got their own personal journey and we've all had some good times and we've all had some struggles, right? And so you never know on a given day, where somebody else is at, and and it's really important to kind of be respectful of the fact that I don't know where they're coming from today or what's going on in their I don't know what's going on in their life, and so um, kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and love them. I, I I just have to say, Michelle, you are awesome at loving people really <laughs> really well. So if that's your goal in life, you are flat you are flat rocking it, girl. Yeah, you've succeeded. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for that. You've heard me say this before. Um, I think it's really important, you know, at least for me, when we leave this earth that we have used, and there's even a quote about this, but that we use every single bit of goodness in us before we leave. There was a book I read years ago. The gist of the book was use all the arrows in your quiver. Use them all. And the point being is like, Use it all. Take all your gifts and talents. Do be the best you can be at being you. Take those gifts and and multiply them and help as many people as you can out there. Don't don't leave anything left over because you're not taking those arrows aren't going with you. Their only value is being spent right here, like helping other people, right? So you had a rough childhood. That made me who I am today. Right. And uh, just that determination and to persevere and be better than what I came from. And I'll tell you what, I did it. Yeah, you absolutely have done it. It's all those struggles make us who we are, right? And I know that uh, just in my own life, struggles I've had, you know, I was having this conversation just last night with a friend and... (laughs) I'm so thankful where I'm at in my life. I feel so blessed and I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. And I said, you know, I feel so grateful. I wouldn't trade where I'm at in my life for anything in the world. But some days it was a bitch getting here. 
<laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and I look at some of those life experiences and go, yeah, okay, I could have avoided that one, right? You know, take that mm-hmm. one off my list. But, but then I look at it and go, but that made me who I am, right? Like it made me appreciate things that I probably wouldn't have appreciated. Nobody has a perfect life. Nobody has a perfect family. You know, uh, my parents weren't, weren't Ward and June Cleaver. You know, my parents were wonderful. I feel so blessed to have the parents I had. But but I don't think anybody ever gets nurtured. Nobody has like the perfect childhood, right? And nobody's a perfect parent. Uh, and I think that's at one point, maybe in your life as a mom even, at least for me when I became a parent, it was kind of like, okay, you know what? I'm going to cut my parents a little slack, <laughs> you know, because they were doing the best they could, right? And they, or the, they were at least trying to do the best they could. I was really an expert at parenting before I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were, oh, you were that person. I, well, with my sister. <laughs> and uh, I love you, Jamie. And I, I'm so sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always easier to be the expert, the armchair quarterback, right? You know? Oh, my gosh. It's funny. So what are some of your strengths, would you say? I think my greatest strength is being able to meet people where they're at and care for them where they're at and look at the bigger picture of possibility as a clinician and then not only connect, you know, all the dots of health, but instill a belief that they can get better. Michelle is a shining example of someone who built not only resilience from their trauma, but has developed compassion and love for the hard times she's been through. Being able to meet people where they're at is a skill that I think could create a better world for all of us. In her career, she brings that skill to work every day as a hygienist. When did you decide to become a hygienist? How did that all happen? I mean, I have no doubt that the good Lord said, uh, you're going to be a hygienist. And uh, I said no for a really long time. I've always loved smiles. It's always been, uh, for um, as long as I can remember, the most beautiful thing about a person. I wasn't the girl who said, oh, look at Neil. So that's my fiance. So we're using him as an example. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Look at Neil. He is just like, he's a CrossFitter. So he is, he, you know, he's built well. Right. I wouldn't have noticed. I mean, I would have noticed. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay, Let's be honest. <laughs> but, but what would have been most attractive to me would be the smile. And it's not even like beautiful teeth. And everyone thinks that if you're in the dental profession, that it's all about these straight, beautiful, big, white teeth. It's not. I share in some of my presentations a picture of an older man who is from, you know, you could tell that he comes from a very poor area and same with a young child. And then again, a beautiful smile. But what I looked for when I was looking, when I was creating this slide were smiles that you felt like sunshine looking at these smiles, even in the absence of these beautiful, perfect teeth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I see, I see photographs. Well, I've traveled I've been very fortunate. I've traveled all over the world. 
And you get to third world countries and some of the poorest people that I've ever seen in my entire life, and they're happy and they smile and they have the most beautiful smiles. They don't have perfect teeth. Sometimes they don't even have teeth, but they have this just heartwarming smile and you just go, oh, and I think that's such a human characteristic, you know, smiling. It's such an important part of, I think, who we are and our culture, you know, to be able to smile. So many people don't smile enough, (laughs) you know, but have you ever had this happen? Like, I like to smile at people, right? I like to greet people when I meet them on the street. You know, uh, when I'm walking the street, I always like give eye contact and, and flash them a smile, right? You know, and they probably think, "What? Who's that weirdo? What does he want? You know, what does he want?" You know, and in New York, that'll get you mugged, right? But, but you know, here in Oregon, like we wave at each other when we're driving by, you know, and, and you walk through my hometown, and everybody like says hi, you know, and we smile, even if it, I don't know them, I, I smile and say hi or something, right? You never know who needs your goodness. And that goodness could be as simple as a smile. You need to keep putting the goodness out there. Life can be tough, and you have no idea what other people might be going through. A smile is free to give, so it's a great way of getting a little light out into the world. Throughout Michelle's life and career, her family and friends have provided her support and helped her guide her on the path that she's on today. Oh, I am who I am because of the people that I have been gifted. I think where I began to grow the most was, of course, becoming a mother. And, uh, you know, is it is it odd to say that in a weird way, um, my son is like, he's taught me to be just a better human being every day. And just how amazing it is to love someone in such an honest, real way and to have that love in return. I was working in a great practice in Arlington, Texas, and I was living in Granbury, Texas. I had moved to Granbury and, and kept my job, and I'm like, a loyal dog and really felt very lucky to work for the doctors that I was working for. They're just great guys. But I was driving and my son had uh, tutoring three days a week. My son was uh, is dyslexic and, and then all of his sporting events and so practice. And so I was just um, – You were super mom. I was really trying to be. Right. And so a friend of mine, Sammy Blake, hey, Sammy, I love you and thank you very much. (laughs) I owe you a whole lot for pushing me. She calls me up and she says, oh, my gosh, Granberry Dental Center is hiring and you need to you need to interview for that job. And I was like, nope. I'm happy where I'm at. And she's like, you're driving two hours a day, and that's if the traffic's good. Nope, I'm not leaving. I'm happy. I'm going to work here for 50 years. Right. And uh, she wouldn't leave me alone. So I called, and uh, Cynthia Baird was the office manager at the time. And I knew within 10 minutes I was going to take that job. So I have 100% confidence that the Lord intended for that to happen. 
and pay attention to those little signs. They're meant to be. And it was under that green roof that at that time we built a new uh-huh. new practice a decade ago. But it was under that roof that I learned family outside of, you know, my relationship with my son. Uh-huh. But I learned family that truly pushed you to be better, that believed in you and trusted you. And it wasn't just one-sided. It wasn't me seeing the goodness in these people and seeing how amazing they are and how well Uh they take care of their Uh patients and each other within their... We were a family. And uh, Dr. Bruce and Cynthia Baird and Dr. Jeff and Cammie Booski, really, they taught me how to be a better healthcare provider. I learned so much, you know, the foundation of who, what I teach today is uh-huh. because of them, but they taught me what family was. Right. And I wasn't always easy, like, <laughs> really? no, I mean, I know that that is a shocker <laughs> for people because I'm never difficult. And Bruce and Cynthia are, are laughing right now because <laughs> like Cammy even used to say, I, I'm surprised he's not fired you yet. Two different times, two different times, I challenged him. It was miscommunication all the way. But I walked the second time, and my feelings were hurt. And a very sensitive person. And so I walked in the office, and I told Cynthia, I don't have to be here. I can go to any office in this town and get a job. A little bit of arrogance there. And not because I thought I was the best hygienist in the world. I thought I was a good hygienist. I just know how well I connect with patients, and that is extremely valuable. You can be the smartest healthcare provider out there, but if you cannot connect with your patients, it's worthless. And so Bruce comes in, and we have a sit-down, and he proceeds to tell me that I remind him of himself. And he loved my passion and just all these really great things. And I was mad because he'd hurt my feelings. And so I wasn't real responsive to it that uh-huh. day. But the next, I, I couldn't sleep at all that entire night. And for the first time in my life, I really felt like it wasn't, he didn't want me in his world because of what I could do for him, right. make him money. He and Cynthia loved me for who I was, and they wanted me to be better. Like, it was just the weirdest feeling. So they pushed me for about eight years to, like, move out of clinical, some, like, Uh Uh part-time. And um, so initially, I started, you know, helped create hygiene coaching for Productive Dentist Academy, their program. Uh And it was because of the confidence that... It wasn't the confidence that I had in myself. Uh It was because they believed in me. And when someone believes in you, don't ignore that. Right. Sometimes, you know, if if you're surrounded with people that care about you, right, sometimes they see things in you that we don't see in ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's important to listen to that because it's like, wow, well, I, I don't see myself that way. But, well, maybe I should be open-minded to giving that a try. Extraordinary people will take that and go, huh, that's interesting. I I didn't see that myself, but you obviously do, and I respect and trust you. So maybe you're onto something there. Maybe I should investigate that and take a chance. And and there are some people who are like, "Uh -uh, no. 
And you know, one of the things that drives is one of my pet peeves. I'll be in a grocery store or someplace, and I'll and I'll see a parent berating their child, and you're no good at that. You'll never be any good at that. You're no, you know. And I think, what a horrible thing to say to a child. Like I, I was raised by parents that always encouraged me to try try everything. No big surprise there, right? Don't be afraid. Go out, try it. You know, you can be anything that you want to be. I mean, they were always encouraging me. Never once did I hear you won't be able to do that. You won't succeed at that. And so I was encouraged my whole life to like, hey, I'm, I got a lot of confidence to go out and try anything and not be afraid. <laughs> and, and I, you know, Dana's amazed sometimes because I'll go try something. She'll go, she would never do that, right? You know, get out of the comfort zone. And I think in the extraordinary people that I meet, it's like they do get out of, they're comfortable getting out of their comfort zone. And I think to do extraordinary things in this world, you have to be somewhat fearless. And because and you're going to, get some criticism. I mean, you know, the pioneers are always the ones with the arrows in their back, right? Lots of criticism. <laughs> yeah, lots of criticism, especially if you're trying to challenge the status quo. Yes. Nobody likes to having their cheese moved. <laughs> you know, so if you're out there doing that, you're being innovative and disruptive, you're going to get that, right? I mean, that comes with the territory. And at some point in time, you have to get comfortable with that. Like, I know for me, I had to grow a really thick skin, right? Because I was kind of sensitive as I was younger. And, and I got to the point now that it's like, you know, that's just static in the background, right? It's like, I don't care what they say. I know what I believe and what I'm trying to accomplish and who I am. And the people that know me love me, right? And so I'm feeling pretty good, right? About all that. And so I think that that helps being surrounded by people that love you and that support you, even though some days you're not your best. Sounds like maybe you could be contrary. <laughs> I mean, I have moments. I have moments. <laughs> so at least, so at least you're on the right podcast, contrary to ordinary, right? <laughs> I know. mean, I'm human. Yeah. I tell I tell Neil all the time. Well, honey, I can't be perfect because then that just wouldn't be fair, right? Exactly. <laughs> that would be boring. <laughs> Having a loving family who encourages you is not something that everyone has access to. So many of us are completely unaware of or reject the goodness that the people who love and respect us see in our hearts. Michelle's big heart has also taken her into the world of advocacy. So I speak human trafficking awareness and uh, really wanting to get into, you know, all aspects of child advocacy as uh -huh. well. But human trafficking awareness really, you know, in our country, I think since I went on my mission trip in 2019, things are changing and awareness is, I mean, we, it's out there. Like it's a law now in Texas that you have it, in several states that you have to have awareness CE if you're a healthcare provider. Yeah. Uh, restaurants have to have information in there. But in 2019, I didn't really even know that it existed in our country. I mean – maybe a little. Uh -huh. I went to the Dominican Republic with Barnabas Task Mission. Tom Hinton was the missionary that led that. Dr. Dave Deal out of Indiana, incredible human being. And his oldest daughter went to TCU. And this is funny. I just love how things happen. He's sitting, we're sitting in a PDA meeting and they start talking about this mission trip. Dave is promoting this mission trip. And I'm like, I've got to go. I knew I wanted to go. I just felt that. Uh -huh. And my son was finally old enough. I was a single mom most of his life. And so anyway, 
I, Dave is like, you know, my daughter's thinking about coming to school in Texas. And I was like, she's got to go to TCU. And, uh, you know, she was looking at a few. She ended up picking TCU because one of the main reasons is because of me. And so this family became my family. And we went oh, to wow. church together. And, you know, I didn't think she'd ever want anything to do with me. So because that, I had that friendship, that family feel with them. And then uh-huh. Bruce and Cynthia, several from our office, and then some from PDA, Victoria went as well. And we're there for a dental mission, but there's a group that we always take care of, and it's New Hope Girls. And Joy and Fidal are a couple that are from the United States and had this like calling. They, you know, to just go to the DR for no reason. They'd never had the desire to go to the DR. And they believed that the Lord was telling them to go. And they went and they discovered not long after getting there, human trafficking, it's in your face in the Dominican Republic. And uh, it's heartbreaking to see that. I know what that feels like to be hurt in that way, but Uh I can't even begin to imagine what trafficked children are feeling. There, oh, none of us yeah. can even, and so you can't help but feel this like need to make their like this world more aware. And we have to stop it. Right. We have to stop it. I heard their story, and then we were so blessed. You know, we got to go out into the community. I went early so that we could do some community work. And, um, you know, human trafficking's in my face. And it was very, I mean, y'all, I cried every single day that I was there. I cried. I would go into my room after our, you know, whether it be the community or in the dental clinics, and I would just go cry. And how could you not? How how can you not? If you had a heart and if you had any compassion... How could you not? I didn't want to leave the DR. I wanted to stay, and I wanted to do my part to stop it. But I also, you know, had a son at home that— Right. Real world. Yeah. And so when I came home, I instantly knew that that was something that um, I needed to to do do here. Uh And so I started doing research and— learning how prevalent it is in our country. And it's everywhere. We don't know enough, but we know enough. And there's been some good research in Texas. And Texas is the one state that you get awareness training. You have to have one hour, which is really not enough, but it's a start. And uh, so I'm an accredited um, person. Trainer, yeah, for for, for healthcare, and right. I can go into schools too. And I trained to be an advocate, and given work I hadn't yet, I volunteered for Unbound all the time, and that is a really, really incredible nonprofit that is not only doing awareness, but they're doing all levels of advocacy. And I'll tell you, even uh, you know, in so you think prostitutes choose this. Right. And many prostitutes are being trafficked. And, 
you know, they're sex, we, they're sex slaves. Yes, they I mean, are essentially. Yeah. And, uh, you know, many of them are addicted to drugs. Y'all, they didn't choose that. They were right. conditioned and snatch and grab is a very small percentage. You know, these victims and their survivors, y'all, they're just doing oh, yeah. the best they can. Yeah, yeah. They're beat down and they're conditioned and they're given drugs. And so they become addicted and, uh, we don't know what that's like. We haven't walked in their shoes. And uh, I just have a real heart for them. And we just have to make it better. And we have to look. And, you know, many of them go into uh, healthcare and they're over 80%. Uh, all the signs are there, but we don't know it. So now that we have these awareness courses out there, we can learn and learn what to do if it is in our. Yeah. And just. It, I mean, there's a whole process to it. Yeah. I think, you know, just the border crisis we have in the United States right yeah. at the moment and the Mexican cartel and the human trafficking going on, that's kind of highlighted there. But I think it's raised our our just general awareness of human trafficking. And, and that already is here in the United yes. States, right? Like that is a crisis. I, I'm not, it is. And, but we have that crisis here at home to begin with, right? And, and we're, we don't maybe don't see it as well. And so it hasn't been a focus, but I know it's here. And, and the more you look at it, the more you find. So not to talk politics, but let's just talk the border for just a second. Okay. We just, there are those that believe we should like let everyone come in. And, you know, the hard part of that, like, let's just take smuggling. The, uh, many of these trafficked victims. Right. They're smuggling in, meaning right. they're paying someone to get them here, and then they get here and they can't afford to pay their debt, and then uh, and then it just it, it ends up evolves yeah, yeah, into yeah. it turns into trafficking, and that debt will never be paid. Right. And, uh, and so by having that kind of open border situation, it's like tr thinking that maybe our intent is to rescue all these people. We're actually increasing the trafficking that's going on and making it more lucrative for the for the people that are in that business. Yeah, right? I don't even know what the solution is for that. And I don't either. I mean, and I, I don't have I don't have the answers for that. But yeah. I, I think that it's just certainly the border crisis has raised. I think the general awareness that we all have for trafficking now, and that's and if nothing else, that's a good thing that's come out of it because I think we need to be, there needs to be more awareness on it. And, and even as healthcare providers, to be able to look for it and identify it if you see it, you know, to help these help these people, help them get out. Yeah, 87% of them are unidentified. Yeah, yeah. And they will not tell you. Yeah. They will not tell you. Well, they're you. afraid. Yes. They can't. Like, they're afraid of, yeah. Thank you for being that person and doing that. I, I mean, I just really admire you for that. Human trafficking is prevalent around the world, and we're lucky to have people like Michelle advocating on behalf of the people who don't have a voice. This work is hard, but Michelle finds joy in the little things in life, and this gives her strength. I'm such a dork, you know, it's so... 
I just love Neil for loving me so much. So for fun, I love being outside. And I love like wussy hikes. I'm not going to do anything on a ledge. Uh, uh-huh. I'll do elevation. Elevation doesn't scare me. But the hiking and the backpacking that my sweet man loves to do, he just gets to do that with his buddies. Okay, so you're not like bungee jumping or anything like that. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, that would No skydiving. I'm checking off your list here. Yeah. No yep. high dives. You know, not gonna happen. No, no, no rock climbing. Um, I really would love to be a rock climber. Like, <laughs> I really think that you know. I thought at one time, oh, I have overcome my fear of public speaking, and so I was just as fearful of public speaking as I am of heights. So I decide to go, go big or go home. Right. So I'm gonna climb with. There's five of uh, girls trip, and I, I'm gonna climb Mount Evans and Summit. And it was, oh, I think six to eight hours hike. And there's these kids like running up like it's nothing. And I was like, well, those little kids suck. Because like, like, I'm scared (laughs) to death. And really, I'm jealous and just love that there's no fear. And uh, I really love, my son's not afraid of heights. And I love Uh that I didn't instill that in him. Right, exactly. You didn't pass that fear on. Yeah. And I tried very much not to. And, um, but I will tell you, The next day, everyone's like talking about, as we're drinking coffee, everyone's talking about how sore their legs are. And I was like, my legs aren't sore. I feel fine. And they're like, well, it's because you crawled on all fours the whole time. (laughs) Your arms hurt, but your legs are going fine. So so there's that. But yeah, I just enjoy being outside. Uh And this is so funny, but like being here, like uh-huh. I would have planned this trip for fun. Uh, oh yeah, it's so beautiful here. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and to learn from—I uh, oh, mean, oh, y'all. The, Steve yeah. Lamberg is speaking today, and uh, it's yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Oh, he is incredible. No, I've absolutely. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, so it sounds like you love the outdoors. I do. And then um, getting involved in community. Uh-huh. I think that that's really important. Uh-huh. Um, that's I really love values. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so looking for things like that in North Carolina. So if you live in North Carolina, uh, around Charlotte, Weddington, Waxhaw, and you know some fun community stuff for me to get involved in, please let me know. <laughs> Yep. Well, I can give them your cell phone number. So, you know, they can, uh, they can, they can actually get a hold Do of you, you know, for that. Yeah. I, I actually give my cell phone number out all the time. Oh, yeah. And sometimes people are like, why do you give everyone your cell phone number? And I'm like, because Kim Cooch and Susan Maples gave me their phone number one time. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's only fair. It's only fair. <laughs> well, Michelle, this has been a, just a fantastic conversation. I, I always enjoy spending time with you. And I hope that, uh, you know, our, our global community here got a chance to know, you know, the Michelle Hudson that I know as a person, because you're such an amazing individual and and absolutely to define the word extraordinary. So thank you for being here today with us. Michelle Hudson practices what she preaches. In her career as a hygienist, she puts the patient at the center of her work, taking a hands-on approach to making their lives better. As an advocate, she approaches difficult topics and vulnerable people with care and compassion that's both rare and vitally important. But perhaps most of all, she lives and breathes the idea of love every single day. 
Thank you so much to Michelle Hudson at Integrative Dental Coaching for practicing love and compassion in everything you do. And thank you for coming on this journey with me today. Around here, we aim to inspire and create connections. We can't do it without you. If this conversation moved you, made you smile, or scratched that little itch of curiosity today, please share it with the extraordinary people in your life. And if you do one thing today, let it be extraordinary.